Welcome to evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. We're so glad you and your family are able to join us. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Job. The past few uh, Sunday evenings, we have been going through on our sermon evening sermon series, looking at the life, the conversation, and now the restoration of Job. Job is a book, I believe, that really speaks volumes to us during periods of uncertainty and during periods of suffering. And here you might be sitting at home, you're with your family, and because of COVID, because of the uncertainty, you can identify here with Job. So that's what we're going to be looking at. I want you to turn to the very last book, or last chapter in Job. It's Job chapter 42. I want to bring you up to speed on kind of what has occurred here in this book. Remember, Job started out, he was a righteous man in the land of Uz, and what happened with Job is God allowed the devil to come tempt Job. Remember, God doesn't tempt us. God tests us. The devil tempts us. There's a huge difference between the two. The devil comes in and basically wipes out everything that Job owned. He lost his family. He lost all his possessions. He lost his livestock. His house was destroyed. I mean, everything he owned, Job lost. And then he uh, did not uh, sin against the Lord. Then the second test that came to Job is Satan appears before God again. And Satan is permitted to inflict pain on Job's life. So what happened to Job was all of a sudden he uh, was inflicted with terrible sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he just sat there and received no relief. He couldn't even sleep. He had nightmares if he slept. Terrible condition that Job was experiencing. And the point of, I think, that the Lord was teaching us, is trying to show to us, is that in Job's sorrow, in Job's disappointment, in Job's setbacks, and all of this that occurred, even his wife came and just said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? He says, do we not accept the good and the bad from the Lord? So, and the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin. So you see this man who, who's endured all this pain and suffering and loss. And literally, he's just sitting there, literally skin and bones. Three of his friends came to visit him. They sat down. They didn't even recognize him. And they literally sat in silence with him for a week until finally they started a conversation. And the most, most of the book of Job is based on this conversation that he has with his three friends. And that conversation is pretty much, Job, the reason this is occurring to you is because you have sinned. There is some area of your life that is causing, that has caused all of this suffering. And Job kept saying, guys, there, I examine my life. I have not sinned. There is nothing that I have done that has brought this shame upon me. And then we get all the way to Job chapter 40. In Job chapter 40, God speaks. And God questions Job. He says, Job, stand up. I'm going to question you like a man. How dare you speak like this very casually about me in my presence among your friends? He says, and the chapter 40 was about the behemoth. 
which we know it might be, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the behemoth could be the rhinoceros, or it could be a hippopotamus, or an alligator, some type of large land animal. An elephant, maybe, it was suggested. And God said, Job, where were you when I made the behemoth? Where were you when I made these dinosaurs? And then chapter 41, he uses the Leviathan, a sea monster, a whale, something large, a large creature in the sea. And God says again, where were you when I made the Leviathan? And the point is, I think what we're seeing here is God is reminding Job about his place. So Job, remember, you're not me. Yes, you're righteous. Yes, you didn't sin. But the way you've spoken about me is wrong. And now, what's about to happen? When we get here to Job chapter 42, God is going to address Job. And he's going to restore him. And he's also going to see Job's reply. And God actually goes ahead and rebukes, rebukes Job's three friends. So that's where I want you to turn in your Bible. Job chapter 42. We're going to be looking here at the scriptures. See what the Lord has to say to you and I this evening here. Job chapter 41, or 42 verse 1. It says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Job is talking to God. You asked, this is the question God asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? That's a question God, God asked. These are just ignorant comments, Job, you're making. It goes on to say there, Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. Job is now realizing God, God, I shouldn't have spoken this way. This was wrong. I spoke out of place. He goes on to say, You said, he's quoting the Lord, what the Lord's words, Listen now and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I have heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job is seeing God. God is speaking to him out of the whirlwind. Therefore, I reject my words, and I am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. What, what we see here, Job is being reminded that he spoke out of place. There is great and grave danger of speaking casually about God. Remember the third commandment? Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Using the Lord's name in vain is the casual use of the Lord's name, such as OMG, such as saying the word Jesus, such as saying God's name with cuss words. It's wrong. It's sinful. The reason why is then by the name of the Lord we are saved. Why would we casually use God's name, cussing at God, using it in a way to, as an expression, whether, uh, whether we're even talking about God or not. God is saying, that's my name. My name saves you. Why would you talk that way about the very name that will save you from hell? It's by the name of the Lord, by the name of Jesus, that every knee will bow, that every man's going to be saved. We have to, we're, Job is reminded by God, 
you are not to talk about this. You can't talk to me this way. Who are you? You came from dust and ashes, Job. I hold your life in my hands. I am the Lord, you are not. And then, keep going here in your Bible. Verse 7, it says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Alephaz, the Temanite, this is one of his, Job's three friends. He's now going to address the three friends because they get rebuked too. Everybody gets rebuked from the Lord. I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now take seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. Then my servant Job will pray for you. I will surely accept his prayer and not deal with you as your folly deserves. For you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Having, Job is having to make an offering, a sacrifice on behalf of his friends. This is what intercessory prayer is. This is why you want your church family. This is why you want believers who know the Lord. This is why you want men like Brother Hurd faithfully praying for you. Intercessory, intercessory prayer is you're coming on behalf. You're advocating. You're begging. You're requesting for the Lord to be gracious and the Lord to hear and answer that prayer. That's what God tells Job to do for his three friends. Say, where does intercessory prayer come from? Intercessory prayer comes from God. God commands us to pray for others. We make an offering. We make a sacrifice. We go to the Lord on behalf of others. Do you know someone who's in need of a healing? Do you know someone who sinned? When's the last time you prayed? You went to the Lord on behalf of your children your grandchildren? When have you prayed for someone else? You want the Lord to, to, to receive help on their behalf. Verse 9, Then Alephaz the Temanite, Bildi the Shunite, and Zophar the Nathanite, went and did as the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Job prayed for his three friends. God restored and healed them. Now here's the restoration here. This is how it ends. This is how all of a sudden the book of Job wraps up. Verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. God doubled him. Basically, Job passed the test. God tested him. The devil tempted him. Job was faithful. Now Job sinned. He had to ask for repentance. He spoke about things he said he did not understand. God rebuked him. But the Lord heard, heard his prayer. And the Lord rebuked the three friends. And the Lord heard his prayer. All his brothers, sisters, and former acquaintances came to him and dined with him in the house. They sympathized with him and comforted him concerning all that the adversary, the Lord, had brought on him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold earring. You know, they call God the adversary here. And I think what we, we see that is by they're causing him the adversary because the Lord allowed it to happen. Even though God didn't cause, God didn't ever tempt us, God does allow the temptation. He tested him. He allowed the devil to tempt him. 
if you're experiencing temptation, God allows it. He doesn't ever tempt us. God allowed Eve to be tempted by the devil. God allowed Jesus to be tempted by the devil in the wilderness. God is permitting, allowing you to undergo whatever temptation, whatever struggles you're going through right now. And it says in verse 12 here, So the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. He owned 14,000 sheep and goats, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named his first daughter Jemiah, his second daughter Kenza, and his third Karen Haputh. No women, no women as beautiful as Job's daughters could be found in all the land. Their father had granted them as inheritance with their brothers. Look at this. Job lived 140 years after this and saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Then Job died old and full of days. Job received seven sons and three daughters. And it's real interesting. In Hebrew cultures, you typically wouldn't do this, but Job's girls were named. We see they actually list out the names. Typically, you wouldn't see that in, in the Bible, but we ask the question, why did God name these girls? Why are we given their names? And likely the reason why is because Job included his daughters in his estate. And I think one of the reasons why is, remember, Job's his first children, they died. They were killed. Their house fell on them in Job chapter 1. Here he has this brand new family. Seven sons and three daughters. Ten kids. God has blessed him. And God has doubled his inheritance. Job's probably the most wealthiest man in all the land of Ur. And what happened, I believe, I believe because God had blessed so much that of Job's life, he felt I'm such a blessed man. Not only am I going to give my sons an inheritance, I'm going to leave my daughters, who I call by name, an inheritance to. That's the blessing of Lord. Even people who typically would not receive an inheritance, they would not receive a blessing, they would not be in Daddy's will. In Job's case, he was such a blessed man he had more than enough to give to all of his children, including his girls. And I share this story. I make this point because we are the same way. God has an inheritance for you and I. Even if your life has not been a life of faithfulness, even if you have not been eagerly serving the Lord throughout all the days of your life, you are still in the Lord's will. You are still part of his plan. You are still part of what God wants to do in your life. God calls you by name. God has left you in the inheritance. I'm going to put up here on the screen what Job confesses to God. Job made several confessions here to God. And this is important because if Job confesses to God, that's an example for us to confess to. If Job realizes the man who didn't do anything wrong 
and who endured all of this. He felt he had to confess, we do. What did Job do? This is what we read in verse 42. It says he spoke out of place. We have to be very careful that we don't speak out of place. How do we speak out of place? Speaking out of place is casually using the Lord's name in vain, dishonoring our parents, uh, being disrespectful to others. Remember, God creates everybody in his image. All people Jesus have died for. We don't want to find ourselves ever saying something negative or saying something very casual or being disrespectful. That's speaking out of place. Number two, what else did he do? He expressed sorry for his words. He confessed to God and says, God, I'm sorry. God confronts you and I for our sins. What does he want us to do? He wants us to ask for forgiveness. And we go to God and we say, Lord, I should not have done this. I should not have said this. I was wrong in my words. And thirdly, you see, he confessed that his God had been too small. Don't miss this point. Job couldn't see past his pain and his suffering. Job couldn't get past the point that he lost everything. His friends weren't even real friends. He forgot the Lord owns a sheep on a thousand hills. The Lord has the ability to completely restore and renew everything and anything in Job's life. We serve a God who is a big God who when we felt we've lost and we've been abandoned and we have, uh, we've given up it all, He is a God of restoration. He's the God when you lose a million dollars, God gives you a billion dollars. But it might not be in a monetary sense. It might be in a sense where He gives you peace, He gives you hope, he gives you strength. The Lord is not too small. His hand is not too short. Other thing I have up here. One of the things that Job did, or God did, is he confronted Elapaz, one of the three friends. And it's, I think it's important. It says not only does God confront Job, he confronts uh, the leader, I guess you could say, of the three friends. But well, here's what he addresses with these three friends. Number one. The three friends were not truthful about God. And I think that's important because that's what we see today. If you're not careful, there's a lot of lies out there about the Lord. Lies about the Lord mean God is accepting to sin. God approves of your lifestyle. God is just in agreement with you. When really it's just the opposite. We line up our lives with God's word. God expects us to be faithful to his truths here in scripture. And what happens, his friends came along, remember. They came to Job and said, Job, you, what's going on here? The reason, don't you see it? The reason you are enduring these horrible things in your life is because there's sin in your life. And you need to search deep inside and find out what it is. That's, that's not accurate. There wasn't sin. The reason Job was enduring all these things was actually because he didn't have sin. Because the Lord knew how faithful Job was 
and allow the devil to test him and tempt him. God is testing Job. Is the Lord testing you? If you are enduring pain, if you have suffering, if you have setbacks, is the Lord allowing you to go through this to see how you are going to respond? And all of these things, the Bible says, Job did not sin. The man did not allow suffering to cause him to sin. Do not allow your cancer. Do not allow the COVID. Do not allow physical ailments to hinder and hurt your relationship with the Lord. Has someone said something critical? Has even a Christian, maybe a member of our church, disappointed you, hurt you, let you down, abandoned you? And you want to, you're, you're mad, you're angry, you have human emotions. Elaphez, the so-called friend, comes to Job and gave him bad advice about God. You need to be careful. Even people close from you can speak out of place about the Lord. Even friends at church, they can tell you things that are wrong about the Lord. Secondly, you see here what God confronts Elaphez with. Job interceded for his three friends. Job here actually saved Elaphez's life. God was angry, the Bible says, with these three friends. He should have disciplined them. There should have been consequences for their action. But instead, God asked Job to intercede. Who's interceding for you? Do you pray for me? Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for folks to be saved? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to come down in your life? Do you pray for our church to be a lighthouse? Wherever you're at. If you maybe you go to another church, are you praying for your pastor, wherever, whoever he is? Are you praying for God to see, bring revival in your hometown, your city? America is in need of renewal. Christians have fallen off the bandwagon, many of them, and they're in great need of being restored. And it might be they, you, they, someone like you needs to intercede as a Job when you pray for people you know that have fallen away from the church, fallen away from the gospel, fallen out of youth group. They're no longer attending college group. God has a plan and a purpose. And suffering is right in the midst, the Lord uses right in the midst of that for His greater purpose. So illustrate that, Daniel. Last passage I want to turn to. Turn to Deuteronomy 29, 29. I want you to see this. Because we read the book of Job, and in many ways we're kind of left, well, I don't understand. Okay? Job went through all this. We had this lengthy conversation. And then Job is restored. And Job prayed for his three friends. But this is why I don't think we fully understand everything about the Lord. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. 
the hidden things. KJV says the secret things belong to the Lord. The hidden things belong. There are things here on earth that are hidden from us. Now, I use the word hidden or secret because that's what the Bible uses. If God is hiding something from us, that means it's for our advantage for us not to know. We do not know why Job had to experience this. We do not know why you have to endure the pain in whatever you're going through. We do not know why we're going through COVID and quarantine and shutdowns and all this uncertainty right now. But we, as believers, are called to live by what? By it says, we live by the revealed things that belong to us and our children. We are to go about our lives by what has been revealed to us. The Bible is God's holy word that has been revealed to us for us to live by. This is God's revealed word. There are hidden things out there that we will not know anything about. And I think what we have to do, and here's the principle I want to take away from this, this whole thing about suffering. Instead of sitting around for us, trying to figure out what are the hidden things, what's the why, 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 God, instead of asking that question, God wants us to actually take action and take authority and take ownership on what we already know. You say, well, what is that? What does that mean? You start living by God's word. Christ has revealed to us his truth. We need to take action and we start living by it. That's the book of Job. God's calling you to no longer going about trying to figure out and ask why. He's wanting you to live by what has been revealed. God has a plan and a purpose in your suffering, in your pain, in your setbacks. It's the master plan of God, and there's a part of it we'll never know on this side of earth. I want to hear from you. You're, you've been following along this Sunday night sermon series. I want you to reach out. Fill out our connection card. Send this Facebook page a message. Let me know how I can pray for you. Let us know if you need to make a decision and you want to follow Jesus. Let us know if you want to be a part of the Broadway Church family. God is working. God is speaking to his people. And we need to be the believers, say, like Isaiah, say, yes, Lord, I hear you. Your servant is listening. Speak to me. What do you have to say? Job started out as a wealthy man. He lost it all. He repented. He spoke out of place. He prayed for his friends. And God made him from a wealthy man to a very wealthy man. He doubled all of his possessions. God wants to double your life. God wants to bless you. God is looking for an army of Job's. The folks who say to their wife, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Can we not only accept 
the good and not the bad. Everything we have, God permits in our life for a greater purpose of drawing us to him. Do not waste COVID. Do not waste your suffering. Allow God, whatever you're going through, to use that to draw yourself closer to him. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'll respond to the gospel. If you have any questions, I want to hear from you, your decision. I want you to bow your head and pray. Lord, I pray for those who are listening to this. I pray they will cry out and call out to you. Lord, I pray if there's anybody who's listening to this service, who's out there just searching, Lord, they will find hope with you. Or just like Job, you restore. You call on us to call to you. Lord, I thank you for this message. Thank you for the series for the past several Sunday nights. I pray we take these words from Job and we apply it in our life and realize you are using our pain and our suffering. Lord, we just give you this evening service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next Sunday evening right here, our 6 p.m., our Sunday night service here on Facebook Live as well as on our podcast. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.